Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Branding Bud Live, the live stream that's 100% THC, 0% WTF. Every week we bring business people to talk about the business of cannabis. I'm David Palaszczuk, the founder of the Branding Bud Consulting Group, the author of the first book on cannabis branding, Branding Bud, the commercialization of cannabis. And I am here today and super excited, um, as always, every Thursday. I'm here with my co-host, Adriana Hemans, the director of Green Meadows, based in Massachusetts, and uh, we're excited to chat today. Um, hey, Adriana, how are you? Yeah, I am awesome. And hi to Michael, who says, Kassan Bud's brand and around the world. Welcome, Michael, and welcome, everyone. If this is your first time on Branding Bud Live, we're super interactive. We love it when you say hi to us in the chats. We love it when you ask questions, so don't be shy. Absolutely. And as always, we're here to educate, entertain, and have fun. So um, I just want to call out a couple of things right up front. I'm, as always, super excited about the show. Today, we've got a great show. First thing I want to call out and just say a big thanks to our sponsor, High Hopes. High Hopes is a cannabis creative agency that's been around for 10 years. They focus on branding, packaging, website design, SEO, marketing, etc. Um, they understand the pains we feel because they deal with our business every day, just like we do. Um, I highly recommend them. They're great people. I'd also like to congratulate them on their Clio Award, which they just won a couple of weeks back, which just shows how strong they are and how great their work is. So yeah. please check them out at I'veGotHigherHopes.com. Um, That's a big deal. It really is. It really is. Um, <clears throat> I'd also like to mention that we, Adriana and myself, have just launched two cannabis uh, Hi, Kim. courses. Hey, Kim, thanks for joining. We've just launched two cannabis courses. One is called the 14 Cannabis Brand Archetypes. The other is called Creating a Meaningful Cannabis Brand. It's available on brandingbud.com. We just dropped the link in for you. Please be sure to check it out and use the BBEDU to receive a 25% discount mm -hmm. on our online course. We've gotten some rave reviews and we're super excited about that. Um, and last but not least, um, I'm excited because we've got Ray Navis, the founder of RW Navis and Associates. Um, today we'll be he's an executive recruiter, um, and today we will be talking about um, cannabis and employment. We're pretty excited about that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's a good topic because so many people right now are either thinking about their next career move or they're thinking about you know how can they sort of ele elevate where they currently are. So I think this is a timely topic and Ray will have a lot of insights for our listeners. So if you are one of the people that I just described, definitely listen until the end. Absolutely. And, you know, probably if there's one question that I always get is, how do I get into the cannabis industry for the folks that are in it? And the folks that are in are, how do we move around the cannabis industry? How do we ascend in the cannabis industry? And so, you know, Ray focuses on the C-suite. Uh, for the most part, and we will chat with him in a minute. In fact, why don't we bring him out right now? Hi, Ray. Hey, Ray, yes. welcome. Hello, David. Hello, Adriana. Great to be with you. Right on. Thanks for joining. So me. tell us about your setting here. I see it looks like you're in the great MJ Biz uh, MJ hall Biz. there. I'll tell <laughs> you, um, there, if you remember a long time ago, the, the political conventions used to be interesting and entertaining. So I always fancied myself a commentator at, at a political uh, convention. And, and so I, I kind of love this background. And, and I really enjoy MJ Biz. Um, in fact, I'm partnering with them on a couple of things uh, at, at MJ Biz this, this uh, upcoming uh, event in about two weeks. So mm -hmm. 
right on. Very cool. Well, for those who don't know you, maybe you could just tell our audience a little bit about you, just on a personal level. If you sure. Don't so um, I'm one of the leading executive recruiters in cannabis. I've been totally focused on cannabis for eight years. Uh, I've been an executive recruiter my entire adult life. And actually, my father was an executive recruiter uh, in New York. And uh, they sold his company to Corn Ferry, which is a famous international recruiting firm. And he moved us to Los Angeles and started his own business. And um, so I grew up in the headhunting world. Um, we were in commercial banking for quite a while. And I've been retired a couple of times, uh, but got back in uh, eight years ago uh, uh, in Canvas. I thought it would be an exciting ride. And it certainly has been an exciting ride, not a dull moment. Um, but, um, and then I'm also the founder of the Canapac, uh, which we started about two and a half years ago. And it is a group of um, uh, C-level executives uh, in cannabis that we get together 100 to 150 uh, about once a month uh, uh, across the country. We started it in California, moved it to Arizona, and now we're kind of nationwide. Very cool. So with your work with C-level executives and your experience at MJ Biz, um, I'm sure you can shed some light on questions our audience have. And we do have a question that Melissa just dropped in, which I love. And if you don't mind, I'm going to ask it to you right now. Sure. How can we apply universal skills to continue growing within the industry? Smiley face. <laughs> universal Thanks, skills. Melissa. Um, well, I would say just that, uh, the cannabis industry is getting a little bit more corporate, a little bit more traditional every three months, every six months. So those skills and, and picking up those kinds of skills that are more applicable in the corporate world will eventually be very important in cannabis. Right now, most people in cannabis are looking for cannabis experience. Um, and, and, uh, the, when they come to me, they're, they're looking for somebody with cannabis experience. Now there are a couple of verticals, a couple of, um, uh, situations, for example, in, in the financial area, a controller or a cost accountant or a, um, a VP of finance, uh, CFO possibly they can come from outside of cannabis. Um, and I think marketing also uh, is a good possibility where they might bring people in from outside of cannabis. Um, so those are two examples. Legal would also be another entry point. Um, those skills that they have in other areas would be really applicable to cannabis as well. And so, Ray, I mean, it, I, I hear what you're saying, but to a certain degree, it almost seems like a chicken or the egg, uh, you, you know, uh, problem. You know, Fortunately for me, I've been in the industry now 12 years. Um, my background briefly was, you know, American Express, Pepsi, Microsoft, uh, and MasterCard. Um, and here in Seattle, as soon as the I-502 law passed, um, I jumped and left Microsoft to get into the industry. Um, but, you know, in today's time, in, in a more mature market, how, how do people get that experience, you know, with, with, with coming from corporate America or or not even corporate America, coming from outside of cannabis? Well, the next best thing uh, to having cannabis experience would be to have a couple of startups that you've been involved with because the cannabis industry really is a startup. 
still at this point. It, it, there are some big companies, but even those big companies, if you dug into them, they, they're, they're pretty much startups uh, still. And so uh, I, I think coming directly from a huge multinational company into the cannabis industry would be difficult right now. Uh, but let's say you had that training and then you were had a couple of startups under your belt, you would probably fit in a lot easier in cannabis. Cool. So it, it almost seems it's not only skill set, it's mindset as well. Yes. Yes. I mean, they, uh, everybody says that, uh, you know, one year in cannabis is like three years in any other uh, occupation. And, and I think you'd probably agree with that. Uh, I was going to say seven years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So many things changing. And, and I think this will, you know, eventually in the next four to five years, you're going to see less and less of that. It's going to become a little bit more, I don't want to say traditional, but a little bit more normal. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Adrian. Sorry. Uh, no, you go ahead, David. Please. Well, um, so, you know, what, I mean, let's just ask the question straight up front. What are the key challenges to getting in the industry, um, you, you know, outside of the skill set or, you know, how do people sort of get around that, get, get through that bottle? Well, I think persistency, I think knowing, you know, digging in, get, gain as much knowledge as you can about the industry. There, there are two excellent websites uh, for people. I mean, MJ Biz Daily uh, is a great place to go and see what's going on in the industry. Uh, I think New Cannabis Ventures is also uh, an excellent website that they focus more on, on the, uh, the, the flow of money and capital into the industry. And that shows you who's growing um, and who's, you know, probably going to need people. So I would say that following those, there, there are a number of other um, websites and, and, and magazines and stuff that would be helpful. I know Marijuana Venture, uh, which is out of the Pacific Northwest, is also uh, a pretty good. And I would, I would dive into those Cannabis Business Times. Forgot about them. Um, that's also excellent. And any of those publications really will uh, digging in on those will give you a, a great deal of knowledge and more than likely a light bulb will go off and you'll say, well, that's, that's me and I can really help them. And that, that'll, that'll give you your path. That's interesting. I just want to call so out. Ray, go ahead, David. Sorry. I just want to call out something Michael has said and uh, he, he begs to differ with us, which is interesting. And I would say, you know, um, Michael, agriculture is only, one side of the industry. There's so much more to this industry than agriculture. Um, you, you know, while while we are selling or processing a plant, um, the truth is is that um, people have to run a business, and within running a business, there's so much more to it than just producing a plant. So uh, I think we're talking, to, and and while I understand the agriculture side of it, we're talking about a much bigger, broader. Um, industry than just agriculture. And I think even, Ray, you could probably attest to this. You've been to MJ Biz. MJ Biz has everything from, you know, lights and, and grow components all the way through to accounting and legal services. So the industry is much more than yeah. agriculture. But I would say uh, in answering him uh, and tell you what I can say about the agricultural side, um, there has definitely been a movement towards getting people from traditional agriculture, uh, especially people with controlled environment agriculture. 
to to help run the uh, larger indoor grows. Um, so, uh, but yet there's still a need for people that are familiar with the cannabis plant. Um, but but I'd say the trend over the next five years is going to be towards people with a degree in horticulture who have some cannabis experience will be running the large 100,000, 200,000 uh, square foot facilities and up. Mm -hmm. So Ray, talking about job opportunities and having your perspective here, and you've seen fluctuations in the job market, we've seen fluctuations in other parts of the market, and now knowing like everything that's going on on the agricultural side and how that's causing a ripple effect. Can you talk a little bit about sort of like those macro trends in the industry that influence the availability of jobs and what makes the job market tougher or easier at certain times as we're um, as we're expanding? Well, right now, cannabis is a is a regional game. The, the growth is happening in other states, the middle of the country, the eastern seaboard, maybe Florida. California is a little bit stagnant right now. Um, I would say there's a lot of good people in California that are probably looking for a position. Um, so in, in terms of, you know, where the market is hot, where you're most likely going to find opportunities would be in the markets that are, that are growing faster. And uh, again, that this is something that if you followed MJ Biz Daily, they would be talking about this probably uh, at least on a weekly basis. You know, and Ray, I'm I'm curious. You know, when I think of the industry, and I think of the industry growing, um, you know, I often think of um, Canacon. It started off here, where I am in Seattle, and they came. You know, they they created the first show, and then the next year a second show, and the third year attendance dropped off, and the fourth year they were into a new market, and that was when it kind of dawned on me that, you know, in many ways this is very linear. You know, the licenses come out from the state, the applications are filled, there are licenses, you know, are given, then people are growing product, then they're building a brand. It all seems very linear. Is there, um, you know, is, is there a, a place, an easier place, if you will, for people to get on the train, considering it's, it is so linear and it is so fragmented and it is so specifically geographic? Well, I would say that for candidates to do the best job that you can, trying to figure out who the people are that are really have a chance to win and, and be successful. Um, you know, that that's what I would be looking for. And, and if you're, um, it's, it's no different than any other business. Are they properly funded? What is their background to be doing this? Um, I, I think many of the mistakes so far in cannabis have been people that are probably used to dealing, used to developing real estate, where they then flip it when they're done. And yet now they are staying on board to run the company, but they're not really, they've never really done that before. They've been very successful at real estate development, but they're not great CEOs or great COOs, that kind of thing. So um, I, would, I would, you know, look at the team that's involved and, 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 and particularly the ownership, make sure that the ownership is on the same page. Uh, and uh, we see a lot of that, the mistakes that have been made so far, that's not the case. Mm -hmm. 
So as we're here talking about like what the experience might be like from the perspective of a job seeker, let's kind of level set and at the same time do an audience participation um, and just talk about just the size of the market itself. Uh, so this is a map that shows, um, you know, some of the like legal things that we've been going through for the past, I don't know, how, when did this whole thing kick off, like 2012? Pretty much, yeah. That's that's when, in 20, well, I mean, things were happening in California before then, but in 2012, it was really when Washington State and Colorado came on uh, with adult use cannabis. And so now we mm -hmm. can you know, with Ohio in the mix as of a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, mm -hmm. it was the fourth state to approve legal adult use cannabis, and now 38 states, including Washington, D.C., um, you know, there's some sort of um, medical program as well. So we're, we're yeah. really, um, while we're still young and fledgling, we're, we're gaining momentum. Yeah, I'm absolutely. I'm just saying I'm struck by that map. I'm really surprised. Is that Wisconsin that does not have medical or um, I'm kind of shocked by that? It, yeah, it's surprising the states like the state yeah. where I grew up in Kansas, they have, you know, no intention of starting any sort of cannabis program, medical or otherwise. Um, and I wonder, like, are they going to be the last? Is it going to be Texas and Kansas, the last one stuck there? We'll see. Uh, but let's jump over to our audience participation now that we're, you know, talking about stats and looking mm -hmm. at um, sort of like the landscape from a more, I guess, factual, technical um, viewpoint. Mm -hmm. And uh, for everyone who's listening in, feel free to drop your guesses in the chat. The question is, how many people are currently employed in the U.S. cannabis industry? Is it over 100,000 people? A. Is it B. Over 200,000 people? C, over 400,000 people, or D, over 500,000 people? Um, put your guess in the chat, A, B, C, or D. You have a 25% chance. If you have no idea, just take a wild guess. You still might get it right. And just to clarify, I'm not sure if you said this correctly or, or, or not, but A and B were less than 100,000, less than 200,000, and C and D are greater than 400,000 and greater than 500,000. Just, Thank just you. I was reading those little triangles wrong. The arrows, yes. Um, I would. I remember being in, in grade school and my teacher saying if they point to the left and it looks like an L, then it's less than. So that's how I always remember it. I guess I missed that episode. That uh, <laughs> that episode of class. That part of uh, of math class. Oh, let's read this comment from Sean. I come from the apparel business 30 plus years and consulted with numerous brands from large brands to startup. He's been looking to transition out of apparel and would love to enter the cannabis business, but it's been difficult to find a way in. Ray, do you have any thoughts about Sean's transition from apparel to cannabis? Uh, Sean, are you based in either New York or Los Angeles? Because I imagine the apparel industries seems to be headquarters in, in those two areas. Um, there's certainly going to be a lot of growth in New York, uh, although it's off to a rough start. Uh, but again, I think the way to get into the cannabis industry is to do something very similar to what you're good at. Um, mm -hmm. And, and that, that is the easiest way in. Uh, I know a lot of people from the beverage industry have made it into cannabis. Um, Red Bull, uh, you know, monster 
um, the whole skew of alcohol, uh, whether it's beer or, or uh, you know, uh, spirits, wine and spirits, a lot of people have moved into positions, especially in sales and marketing from those areas, um, you know, coming from apparel and it would sound like, uh, and I'm not sure what kind of apparel that he's involved with, but um, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I always say that, you know, the best thing is just to f- figure out, do a little study about what these companies are doing. And if you can go in there and say, I've done this and get yourself into the right person, you, you'll have a good shot of getting involved. And Sean, mm-hmm. just sort of uh, pick up on that. You know, I think if I were you, one of the things I'd be looking for are, you know, are there any lifestyle brands that tie cannabis together with apparel? And the answer is yes. And probably the one that stands out in my mind immediately is the Cookies brand. Right. And while Cookies has a decent business um, in the cannabis space, they've got a a 30 plus million dollar business in the apparel space. Um, They sell in Zoomies at almost 700 stores and shopping malls across the country. Um, so, you know, finding, finding an in, if you will, you know, with a brand like Cookies um, might help you leverage your apparel business and experience uh, with what's happening in the cannabis space. So try to try to connect those dots and try to think about, um, you know, approaching companies like that. Uh, I think that's your best bet. Uh, Sunday School. Yes, exactly. I should have mentioned that as well. Based out of New York. Um, exactly. So there are. Thank you, Tatiana. So there are definitely companies that are apparel focused with the cannabis lifestyle component to it. And I think I think that would be a great spot for you. Um, let's jump back to uh, take it away, Adriana. Let's jump back to the quiz. Well, speaking of connecting the dots, let's connect the dots and answer this question. Here you go. So I know that three of the people in the audience got this correct, and I'll tell you who it was. It was Melissa, David, and Anthony. They all got it right, and they all guessed option C, more than 400,000 people. Um, And so the number that came from Leafly's 2022 jobs report put that number at 428,059 full-time cannabis industry jobs, probably more than that now since that was last year. But yeah, that's a significant uh, number of people. It is. And what's interesting there, too, is uh, more than 100,000 jobs were created in 2021 just after the pandemic. So it's 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 really intriguing to see when these spurts of growth happen and where they happen. And of course, they're, you know, because it's such a fragmented industry that, um, you know, things are happening in different places. And that's also something that we should just touch upon briefly. You know, Melissa here is talking about that uh, she's uh, in Texas. Um, you, you know, there are other people. Ray, you just mentioned New York and L.A. Um, so there's there's opportunities out there, but they're definitely um, <clears throat> location specific. And I think that's important to kind of call out as well as the market evolves. Yes. And I and I you, you and I had discussed a couple of things um, prior. I, I think it's a good time to mention um and tell the audience misconceptions about the industry. Uh, I, I think a, a big misconception is that it's st- still, I get this daily is that, wow, is everybody high all day long in this business? And, and or is it all stoners? And it, 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 nothing could be further from the truth. Um, most of the people in this business have a lot of money invested. They are very serious about what they're doing and uh, sure they partake, 
of the products at the appropriate time. Um, but it is, it is kind of rare to see. And, and I, I would have to say that, you know, those people that are stoned all day and, and using investor money are probably not going to last too long. So it's, it's, it's just, it's not that much different, you know, and people say, wow, what, what do you do in the cannabis? Well, cannabis is, is three or four different sectors together. It's either cultivation or it's manufacturing or it's extraction. And that's it. So it's, it, it's falls very neatly into manufacturing is like manufacturing of a candy company or some, some kind of a edible company. Um, cultivation is like agriculture, traditional farming and, uh, uh, extraction. Now you get into things more where it's more like the, uh, you know, other sectors in the, in the lab world. Um, but it, it's just not that much different. And, and I think you'd find that the serious people in the industry are, you know, they take their job very seriously. So you mentioned a misconception about the industry that people are getting stoned all day. What, what other misconceptions are there about the cannabis industry that you hear? Or maybe another way to ask the same question is like, why are people so interested in, in getting started here? Well, uh, I think a lot of people, I know, I know CNBC a couple of years ago ran a bunch of, of, um, uh, shows about, I can't remember what they called it, about how much money people were making in the cannabis industry. And yes, there have been some people that have made a great deal of money, uh, in the cannabis industry. Um, I'm not so sure that's happening right now. So that, that could be a little bit of a, a misconception. Um, I do think that it's, you know, the, it's blue skies ahead, um, uh, for that. And, and, and also, Maybe on the flip side, maybe a misconception right now is that the cannabis industry is not doing well. Well, there are a number of things that could trigger a, a, a reversal very quickly. You've got safe banking in front of the Senate. You've got rescheduling uh, coming out of the DEA. And, uh, if, uh, and there's a, a host of things on the medical side of cannabis that haven't even been touched yet. Because, because of the uh, fact that it's not legal, they haven't been able to really study cannabinoids uh, and do um, test runs, et cetera. And there's, a, there's just a world of opportunity that's gonna come out of cannabis. Um, and uh, uh, I mean, I, every day I hear of, of, of some incredible cure that came from, from someone in the cannabis industry giving a relative a tincture or what have you. And, um, you know, uh, a lot of positives. There are, there are. And, you know, somebody, uh, Anthony just mentioned a moment ago, 280E, um, which for those folks that don't know, 280E is a tax that is uh, put on the cannabis industry, uh, primarily because uh, cannabis is still considered a, a Schedule One drug, Control <clears throat> Substance Act. And as Ray just alluded to, the rescheduling of uh, cannabis will also um, uh, remove that tax. And that tax really is all of the costs, all of the expenses aren't able to be written off. And, and to make it as simple as possible, if someone were to open up a restaurant and they were to put millions of dollars on uh, art on the wall of this restaurant, they're able to expense that. Um, whereas, uh, because that's the cost of, of doing business and it's an expense. Whereas in the cannabis space, they're not allowed to do that across the board. Um, so dispensaries that are investing in beautiful interiors 
are really doing that at their their cost and are not able to write that off, which really basically puts the cannabis industry in a very tough spot, makes it really hard to be profitable. Um, and so that rescheduling will, will change um, the way the business is done and how the, the write-offs are taken uh, into effect. So I think that's going yeah. to be a, a big deal when, when it happens, if it happens. My understanding is that that would make almost every company worth double what they're worth today. Um, now, I will tell you that I was I was um, speaking at the uh, PBC conference in Washington, D.C., and I spoke to somebody from the IRS, and they said this is not going to be retroactive when they do it. So careful about running out there and buying up cannabis stocks on the rescheduling. Right. <laughs> right. That's interesting. Well, why don't we um, why don't we jump to audience uh, participation number two? Uh, so we'll bring up that next slide. Um, and this is this is really intriguing. Um, which industry, and I'll wait for the slide, here we go, which industry has more total jobs than legal cannabis uh, jobs in the U.S.? Is it A, firefighters, B, machinists, C, bank tellers, or D, plumbers and pipe fitters? And so really what we're asking here is which, uh, which industry has more people working in it um, based on these. And we, we, might have, we might have some insight into that earlier because you saw the, the number that came up of four, over 400,000 people working in the industry. But uh, just to compare the industry and how many people are employed in it versus some of the other um, you, you know, roles and, and uh, uh, positions that, that other people hold, I think it's really uh, something interesting and something telling. So is it A, firefighters, B, machinists, D, bank tellers, or D, plumbers and pipe fitters? All right, we got our first answer. Anthony's guessing D. Anthony got the last one right, so he may be onto something with this one. <laughs> he might. He might. Ray, do you have any thoughts on this? I would have. I'm not sure that I would have picked um, what I think is the correct answer. Um, so it's um, you spoofed me. Uh, I think I think I would have I think I probably would have thought. Well, I don't know. It's, it's actually common sense, though, because there's there's plumbers and pipe fitters all over the place. So, yeah, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. I maybe would have thought firefighters, but no, that's probably not right. Not everybody has to use a bank, but everybody has to use a toilet. Exactly. <laughs> that's a good way to look at it. Well, why don't we. Uh... Why don't we jump to the next slide and we'll, we'll take a look. And the answer is D, plumbers and pipe fitters. So Adriana, I think you hit the nail on the head. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and almost everybody got it right. That's right. Good job. And just so just to really, you know, talk about this very, very quickly, super high level, you can see the numbers here. But firefighters, there's 311,000. Machinists, there's 360. Bank tellers, there's uh, 423, which um, is, is interesting now with ATM machines. That number is probably declining. Um, but then plumbers and pipe fitters is 451,000. And that all compares to the 428,000 uh uh, folks in the cannabis industry. And again, these are full-time jobs. There, there's probably a lot, or there is a lot more relative to um, 
you know, to uh, folks in the industry. But I think it's telling about uh, how the industry is growing um, and, uh, you know, the, the opportunities for everybody to jump into the industry. Cool. So, um, so Ray, how does, um, you know, how does the industry um, and the legalization of cannabis, you know, affect employment trends? Are, are, are you seeing more... Um, I mean, obviously, it's probably geographic, but are you seeing more um, high-level folks coming into the C-suite? Are you seeing more um, lower-level folks or people that are out in grow rooms or processing rooms, that type of thing? Is there? Can you can you sort of delineate that for us? Well, I will tell you that federal legalization would change everything, and federal and and it's possible that some of these changes might happen with a combination of safe banking and rescheduling, uh, you will see a lot of money come into the sector. And, and that will spur growth. It will, uh, it will spur greater salaries. It, it will open up the doors for people that don't have cannabis experience to get involved. It, it, it will grow if that happens. I mean, right now there's a shortage of capital and uh, those two things happening would, would probably, I, I'm not saying a surplus, but it would bring a lot of new players in that are, are not able to do so right now because of legalities. Um, so, you know, the, again, that's a huge positive. It's coming one day for sure. Um, you know, hopefully we'll get part of it this year or in, in the next six months. Hopefully, fingers crossed. I, um, yeah. I I don't see federal legalization coming across in the next six months, but no, I I think um, quite frankly, I think there's just too many other things going on in the world that uh, are are a little bit more important, and and for that matter too, I think a lot of folks in the industry fear uh, federal legalization as well. So, uh, mm -hmm. There's folks in the industry that want the control. There's uh, other folks in the that want uh, rescheduling and uh you know time will tell i suppose you know yeah. another i mean imagine if you're the governor of ohio and you just promised all these jobs you don't want to compete with your neighbor next door you want your citizenry to have the chance to to benefit from legalization first so i think that because of that it's just going to take a really long time yeah. another way of just thinking for people to get involved in cannabis would be to um, indirectly move into maybe right now a position, let's say in the beverage industry or someone where it's, it's very almost directly transferable. And then when these things happen that give cannabis a wind at its back, you would have the right experience coming in. So um, that's a possibility. And it depends on what your interests are. If you're in marketing and sales, I would say something in the beverage industry. Um, you know, if you were in agriculture, I would say something in controlled environment agriculture, which are, you know, larger greenhouse, uh, type facilities. You know, Ray, you, you say something really, um, really interesting. And I think it's some great advice for folks, which is, um, you know, that maybe it's not a direct step from where they are into the cannabis industry, but maybe there, you know, there, there's a, middle ground there's a few steps that brings them closer to the industry uh, to, to build their skill set to build their experience and i think most people don't think about it that way they're, they're, they're kind of like i want to get in how do i get in uh now 
and so I think I think there's there's a great nugget of, of um, advice for the folks that are listening to that. Yep, absolutely. And uh, anyway, far away. I think I think you had a couple more questions for me. So I do want to call out a question that Michael dropped in the chat, which I think is really interesting. So I'm going to read his whole comment. So he said, I'm interested in the use and development of third party logistics in relation to warehousing, transportation, distribution, et cetera, in the cannabis industry. I ran an RFP for warehousing in Canada last year in another industry, and about half the respondents participating were involved in the Canadian cannabis industry. They all seem to consider this real feather in their cap. LOL. Do you see growth in the U.S. in 3PL? And again, that's third-party logistics companies in the industry. So do you see that like sort of like the growth of cannabis is going to create job opportunities for third-party companies that don't only serve cannabis, but do logistics for multiple industries? I think it's already happening. I think um, uh, vape manufacturers are, are, are already setting up operations like this. Um, so I, I think you're going to see a lot more of this. And I think, uh, you know, sophisticated supply chain uh, experience is going to be very important in cannabis um, because it'll all it, eventually, it, you know, it'll be about just running the machine the, to the most profitable way that you can. Now, those probably need to be a certain size company in order to appreciate that experience. Um, and I don't know, let, let's say a building would probably need to be at least 50,000 square feet to maybe a hundred thousand. Um, and, and there, because otherwise they would, those responsibilities would fall on like a VP of operations or an operations manager. The larger companies are going to hire somebody specifically for supply chain, but it, it is definitely a growth. It, it will be a, a big part of the industry. Yes. And it's interesting, you know, uh, my friend, um, uh, Justin Johnson, who owns Chill Steel Pipes. I mean, he's basically built his business around, focused on 3PL, you know, importing from China um, and has a warehouse in, uh, in Las Vegas and, uh, you know, works with third parties uh, really to, to, to distribute his product. And I think that is becoming, um, for, for those products that can be shipped across state lines, that's where it really becomes important. <coughs> I think that's important to call out. Um, because if it's flour or, or anything with THC in it, um, minus nine, it, it's really difficult, uh, you know, to get into that uh, and to leverage that, I should say. Um, Ray, um, you know, uh, we always ask a, a last question of our guest: Is there a book, or experience, or or something that <coughs> you to, um, you know, to our audience, you know, to help them uh, along their way? Yeah, well, the book that I read when I got started um, was uh, called Big Weed by uh, Christian Hagaseth. And uh, I thought that was a very interesting, interesting look at the industry. Now, that book is probably a little dated right now. Um, I would say, boy, if, if you go to MJ BizCon, you're going to see it all. Uh, and, and for somebody that was really interested in getting into the industry, they should be at that conference. And I know it's coming up pretty quickly uh, for people, but I've looked on, you know, of course the, the, the lead hotel, and you know, a lot of people are going to be at the Cosmo. Those prices are off the charts, but at the same time, 15 minutes away, 
uh, very reasonable prices at, at other nice hotels. So um, it's not too late for somebody to get involved. The, the you know, the expo only uh, floor pass is still pretty reasonable. I think it's probably $300, $400, something like that. And uh, you would, you would really, it would really be an eye opener. I don't think most people would even imagine how big this conference is. It's actually at one point, I think two years ago, was the largest conference in Las Vegas, uh, period, uh, everything. And uh, people have got, are kind of hard, they, they can't imagine cannabis, really. Uh, but people come from all over the world to this conference. And, and I would say that, you know, you, it'll be, you'll be, your head will be spinning, but probably some things will open up in your mind. Absolutely. Yeah, I think just a couple of years ago, the show had uh, over 30,000 attendees. And, and again, it has everything from um, agricultural products, you know, all the way through to extraction machines, all the way through to legal and accounting services and folks, you know, and you know, point of sale, you name it, everything that touches the business is, is pretty much there. So it's, it's mind blowing. Um, you know, and, uh, and I've been there at, at all for 12 years. So it's, it's just incredible to see the growth of the industry and how sophisticated it's gotten. So, um, so I think that's a great recommendation. And for those folks that can make it, that's, uh, definitely worth it. And, uh, if you're new to it, find yourself at the Cosmo bar one in one way, shape or form, because that's where a lot of the action happens as well. Drink a Cosmo with the Cosmo for me. Do a cheers to Adriana and David. We'll be with you in spirit. I will be there. That's our, that's our jam. Ray, thank you so much for, uh, for joining us today. Your insights were super helpful, and uh, and I imagine they helped all, all of the guests that were So thank you for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, and it went by very quickly, which is a good sign. Absolutely. It sure did. Yep. Thank you. Thanks, Ray. Catch you next time. Okay. Thanks, Bye -bye. everybody. Well, to, to allude to what Ray just said, I always joke at the end of every show that this is the fastest 45 minutes of my week. So, um, so indeed it went fast. Um, I, I thought there were some, uh, some great tidbits in there for folks listening in, either in the industry or, uh, or trying to move around the industry. Um, I can't believe um, we are at Thanksgiving. Next week is Thanksgiving. Um, so of course we won't be having a show because we'll be um, taking some time off like everybody else is. Um, but we'll be playing our intro music at our Thanksgiving dinner. That's right, because that's that's uh, really fun. I can't live without it on Thursdays. Gets me dancing every Thursday. Um, but the following Thursday on November 30th, we have an absolutely great guest and an absolutely great show. Wendy Bronfine, the co-founder and chief brand officer of Curia Wellness, will be joining us. We'll be chatting about cannabis and consistency. And for those of you that mm -hmm. don't know Curia Wellness, they have uh, multiple brands and dispensaries in multiple states. Um, so we'll be talking about the differences in dosing from state to state, uh, the difference in packaging requirements and regulations from state to state, and basically, how does a brand um, offer up a consistent look and feel and experience to its product when the regulations are really tearing all those things that brand owners try to build, which primarily is consistency. So we're super excited about that. Again, we'd also like to just call out our two online courses that have received rave reviews, the 14 Cannabis Brand Archetypes and Creating a Meaningful Cannabis Brand. We talk about the four pillars, uh, in creating a cannabis brand, 
meaningful cannabis brand. And um, it's super interesting. We urge you to check it out. Again, uh, there's a link in and the And good info if you're trying to get into the marketing side of things, which I know a lot of people in our audience are from that side. That's right. That's right. So there's some there's some basic information, but then there's some real serious information as well. Um, yeah. and, and just to call out a couple of more things, um, be sure to uh, check out our, our courses. Here it is. Here's the slide. And we've got a link um, or... We've got a, a link, which is brandingbud.com.ed slash edu. We also have a discount code, BBEDU25, for a 25% uh, discount off the courses. Um, and uh, further, we would just like to thank again our sponsor, uh, High Hopes, a creative agency in the cannabis industry with 10 years experience. Uh, again, a big, big, big congratulations on winning a Clio Award for some of the brand work and design work they've recently done, which again is uh, Clio Awards span, uh, have recently uh, inducted cannabis uh, to what they've done, but primarily marketing and advertising and have been around for uh, decades. So to win a Clio Award in the cannabis space is pretty amazing. Um, additionally, if you can't join us every week, um, watching the um, our show and participating. You can always listen in. You could find uh, our audio um, on all the podcast uh, platforms, Amazon, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and CastBox. And you can also um, watch our video and our repeats and catch all of them on our YouTube channel. So um, thank yeah. you everybody for joining. Adriana, any last comments? I'm going to miss you next week. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I will miss you too. Um, hopefully we'll, we'll be with our respective families, um, having some great meals. And more importantly, thinking about how grateful we are and being thankful for what we have, because it's uh, it's a tough time in the world right now. And I think, um, I think now more than ever, we should all be grateful for what we've got going for ourselves. So, um, so with that, um, enjoy uh, your week next week, Adriana, and with your folks and your family. And um, I'm wishing everybody a great um, week uh, out there in our listening audience. And uh, we'll see you back on November 30th with a really great show, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, until then, check out brandingbud.com, Cannabis's Best Kept Secret. We'll see you soon. Be well, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye.